0: and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. On today's episode, we are going to be diving into the mailbag to answer a listener question. My name is Ben Pearson. I am the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer, White Bui.
1: Hey, everyone
0: uh well welcome back brad you've been away for a little while and you'll probably talk a little bit more about the circumstances for your absence uh, on tomorrow's episode of the water cooler so people can tune into that but guys let's jump right into the mailbag today there's not a ton of news right now so i thought this would be a cool opportunity to uh, answer a question from a listener so um william from green bay wisconsin wrote in with this this prompt who is an actor or actress and directors also apply here who have generally done work that you dislike, who then comes out with a new project that turns you around on them, or at least makes you think they have a decent amount of talent. So, uh, I'm curious, we've not talked about this before we jumped on Mike here. And I, I kind of found this to be a little bit of a difficult prompt just from like going through, you know, this, this Rolodex of, uh, (laughs) of directors and actors and actresses in my head. Um, I I kind of found myself falling into the same pattern of like, I have either liked somebody from the start or um, I don't know that like this, the very specific nature of this question, somebody who made a a decent amount of work that you didn't care for, who then, you know, sort of like turned the corner in some way. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a provocative question. So uh, HT, let's start with you. Did did you have any people that uh, came to mind?
1: Well, the first one that came to mind, obviously, uh, is Matthew McConaughey, who started off um, mostly acting in romantic comedies, or that's what he was mostly known for, up until True Detective came around and revamped his image as a serious actor and a character actor. And he's kind of leaned into that since, uh, with the exception of all the Lincoln car commercials he's been doing. Uh, But yeah, that was the first time I saw McConaughey and I was really impressed by uh, how he could go for the dramatic role and um, he like completely transformed both physically and um, just overall with that role. Uh, He I think has struggled to find something since that is of the caliber of true detective. But I do think that that was like such an essential thing. And, and it introduced the, into the public, like pop cultural lexicon, the reconnaissance. And ever since then, we've had sort of a, we applied that kind of term to actors who see a second wave in their career, usually in a, a different um, sort of approach than they've like been known for before, like the Keanu Sons, for example, or um, mm-hmm. I can't I can't think of other ones, but yeah, like I think that's Matthew McConaughey was kind of like the biggest um, example I could think of.
0: Yeah, you're right. That seems like the the sort of like prototypical example that fits this category really well. Um, Brad, did you have anybody that came to mind?
2: Yeah, one that immediately sprung to mind, uh, without a doubt, and um, it's Channing Tatum, because mm. uh, when he first started acting, I just didn't care about him at all. He had done the Step Up movies, which I, you know, I I wasn't really necessarily uh, a fan of. And he had, you know, appeared in stuff like uh, She's the Man and uh, Fighting and Stop Loss. And I I thought he was awful in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Um, And so, like, he just seemed like, you know, just this big buff mannequin to me. And I didn't really like anything he did. And then 21 Jump Street came along and completely changed my mind about what he could do, because he's hilarious in that movie. Uh, the, just the way he goes head-to-head with Jonah Hill, um, they're this great duo together. He clearly had, you know, improv skills. He was having a lot of fun in the role, and it just really changed my mind uh, about him. And after that, too, he started uh, he started doing better things uh, after 21 Jump Street. You um, Magic Mike came out that same year. Um, he did, I uh, had that, Great cameo, and this is the end. And then yeah, later came, you know, Foxcatcher, which was a, a role that he got Oscar buzz for. Of course, Twenty Two Jump Street, and so yeah, it's uh, Channing Tatum was an actor who I was just I, I could not have cared less about, and uh did this complete one hundred and eighty. And interestingly enough. I feel like something just, just recently happened, and I'm, I'm still waiting to see what's going to happen as far as the roles he does next, um, but Jamie Dornan, I think, just recently did something for me with that because he um, appears in Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, and he, it's the same kind of thing where I haven't really cared much about what he's been doing, whether it's Fifty Shades of Grey or any of the, uh, the roles that he's had, but he steps so far out of what he's been doing previously in Barb and Star, and he like it's so silly and like he has a musical sequence and he's just doing these goofy things with Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo and seeing that different side of him uh, really makes me interested to see what else he can do as his career continues.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. Um, Sort of kind of in that same vein for me, I think I would have to put Ryan Gosling on this list um, because in the early stages of his career, he was doing stuff like you know, uh, like uh, you know. He, I think he started on 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 um, what like are you afraid of the dark and like Mickey was Mouse he one? Yeah, I was going to say was he one of the Mickey Mouse Club he people? Was. So he was, um, you know things like that that I didn't really care about. Um, I, and I and then you know when the Notebook came out in two thousand four, I was like the exact wrong age for that movie at that time. Like I, I really um, bristled at that movie, even though I've come to appreciate it more for what it is uh, in, you know, later in life. Um, But I think drive when he showed up in 2011 and in that super, super stylish movie, that sort of made me look at his career in a, in a different way. Um, And then sort of uh, dovetailing with what you were just talking about with uh, Jamie Dornan, Brad, like uh, the way that Gosling has sort of leaned into the, the comedic aspects of his, uh, you know, acting abilities and stuff in movies like the nice guys and even the big short to to some degree, I think has really just like opened things up a little bit for him in a way that, that I don't think was, um, necessarily there, uh, before. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's one that came to mind. I have a few others, but I'm curious if you guys had uh, some other people that, that sort of came around, either in the acting category or the directing category. H.C., let's go back around the circle to you.
1: Well, I have to give a shout out to Kristen Stewart uh, in Chris's place, because I know that I feel like if you were here, he would definitely name her first. Although I actually haven't seen the films that have turned people around so much to her, like Personal Shopper and the um, Ghost of, of Sills. Is it? i can't remember
0: i think yeah that's right yeah,
1: yeah yeah so um i i do know that she is really talented and i like I, I like what i've seen of her recently a lot um i do know that a lot of people still associate her with her performances in twilight which were uniquely unsuited, to i think to her acting style um but i also want to add robert pattinson made a great pivot uh similar t- similarly to and Stewart. both of them kind of used twilight as uh, a launch pad for their careers and a nice paycheck so that they can pursue any sort of indie auteur film that they want and they both carved out a really strong uh like place in the indie auteur world they've become like the, the indie darlings essentially uh in the aftermath of twilight which i think is just a really interesting and really fun result of that of that franchise mm-hmm. um dakota johnson has some done something similar with uh 50 shades of gray um it just in her fantastic uh collaborations with um luca Guad, uh, guadagnino and uh like a bigger splash and um uh suspiria so she's she's great and um I think, but I, I I don't know if like they're all considered pivots. I think that I feel like they're almost natural evolutions of actors who get like a paycheck role and, uh, then start to pursue their passions. So it, it's like, it's an, it's a prompt that's like very specific. And, um, I think everyone can have different interpretations of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brad, let's go back around to you. Any others that came to mind?
2: Uh, not really actually. Like you, like you said, this was a hard one to think of. And so like, uh, the first one that came to mind, yeah, like I said, was definitely Trayon Tatum. I'm I'm trying to rack my brain right now. So if you've got one locked and loaded, you can go ahead, and I'll I'll still think on it. <laughs>
0: I think um, Oscar Isaac is one for me where like, you know, he, he was in earlier in his career, he showed up in body of lies and he was in the Robin hood movie that Ridley Scott directed. He was in sucker punch. Um, He had a relatively small role in that as well as drive, which I just mentioned for Gosling Um, born legacy. He showed up in that too. But I think like inside Lewin Davis really uh, was the, the moment where it sort of turned the page for me on him as like, Oh wow, this is somebody that I should be paying attention to. Um, so Oscar Isaac came to mind. Um, Chris Evans, I think might be another one. Like obviously the Captain America role is is the thing that, you know, he's going to be known for forever. Um, and before that he had just been in some like, you know, relatively forgettable action stuff. Obviously he was Johnny Storm in the, the first Fantastic Four, or the 2005 Fantastic Four movie. Um, he was in not another teen movie, which is like funny, but I, I never really thought about him uh, as much as I just thought about that movie as being like, an outlier as, you know, one of the few funny <laughs> spoof movies that was coming out around that time. Um, But I, I mean, yeah, the Scott Pilgrim versus the world, really, that was right before Captain America, the first Avenger. And that, that was like, oh man, this guy, he actually has some great comedic timing too. So um I'm just looking at his IMDB right now. I completely forgot he was in this movie called push that came out in 2009. That was like another kind of quasi superhero movie. Did either of you ever see that by any chance? We have you ever even the, heard of that was movie. was with
1: the Dakota fanning right yes i think that's right
0: yeah and, i
1: think uh, there's really
2: oh go ahead ja, yeah jayman hoon susan and everything it's i remember yeah it really felt like a like a gritty sort of like x-men ripoff
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: i think there's a really um, interesting conversation to be had about the nature of stardom from this prompt that because a lot of our examples some of our examples don't really like necessarily fall into like this very specific definition of like that a very extreme turning point um, because I want to go back to your answer about Ryan Gosling, Ben. I wonder mm-hmm. if it's just um if this is like maybe your personal perception, but I feel like maybe his was almost a more natural evolution too, like going from heartthrob to more serious actor. It's something we've seen with, for example, Leonardo DiCaprio, who started off as a heartthrob, a teen heartthrob, and then eventually transformed into a serious actor and sometimes and frequently comedic roles too. And Brad Pitt, who went on from being a heartthrob to a serious actor and to now like a kind of crazy character actor. And it's so interesting that i think this is uh like we see a lot of this with like various actors and actresses but it's more often actors who are allowed this kind of transformation through their careers than actresses from what i can think of off the top of my head
0: mm-hmm. yeah the only actress that i can think of that really fit this mold for me was jennifer lopez who had been in a bunch of stuff and, and I frankly just didn't really care that much. I mean, I think, uh, out of sight is like the early, you know, early period, uh, Jennifer Lopez movie that I think, um, sort of put her on the map in a big way for a lot of people. And then as far as I c- cared to think about, you know, at, at that time, um, I thought she just sort of took a, a downward turn into, yeah, rom-coms and just stuff that I didn't really personally care about very much. And then, um, I mean, frankly, that lasted all the way up until really like Hustlers. And then I was like, oh, wow, she actually uh, she still has this this like movie star quality that um, I just don't think she had been given the opportunity to really do anything quite like that. Um, and obviously, she <laughs> she's she's sort of a unique example because she's like a megastar in multiple um, you know, uh, avenues in life, uh, and is very, you know, it's been very, very busy with her like music career and this whole other sort of thing. So, um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if she's like a perfect fit for this, but yeah, I think you're right. Hc the, the fact that uh, that I can't think of a ton of actresses off the top of my head here, I think speaks less to the fact that they yeah, that, that I have a bad memory and more to the fact that, that women generally aren't given too many uh, or as many opportunities um, to make a, a sort of pivot like that. So
1: I have a question for you guys. Where would Adam Sandler fall in this prompt? Because he is an actor who um, kind of sh- pops up every like f- 10, 15 years with a serious role, a dramatic role that reminds you that he has the talent and has the chops and can act and then he kind of just goes back to doing his goofy uh, comedy roles that like <laughs> allow him to have a free vacation to Hawaii
2: <laughs> yeah that's that's actually I think almost like a reverse situation where um I loved Adam Sandler from his early stuff on Saturday night Live and uh, grew up watching Billy Madison and happy Gilmore and then shortly after i I, I want to say big Daddy maybe fifty first dates his comedy stuff started going way downhill for me. And just, I just became extremely disinterested, but I loved seeing when he would come back and do those dramatic roles. Like uh, I love punch drunk love when it came out and, you know, uncut gems recently. So whenever he takes the time to do something, that's not him just going on vacation with all of his buddies and yucking it up and making, you know, terrible comedies. I'm very interested. And so it definitely has these, these ups and downs, but interestingly enough, I'm, I'm never so turned away from Adam Sandler where, I completely avoid those movies because I want to see if he can bring back some of the magic he had in movies like uh, The Wedding Singer you know, and, and whatnot because I I love I loved those comedies he made in from the mid to late 90s. And so I'm always hoping that he comes back because when he did his live comedy special for Netflix, 100% Fresh, that was like the Adam Sandler that I grew up and I loved. And he did these funny, weird, original songs and it really felt like that was the Adam Sandler you know, that needs to come back and then, but he's still, you know, making these Netflix movies. So it's, yeah, it ups and downs all the way with him.
0: Um, Brad, I, I, were you going to raise a, a different point before you answered HG's question?
2: Well, so uh, funnily enough on a similar path as Jennifer Lopez, uh, Jamie Foxx was one that I just thought of because the, uh, they both started off uh, on In Living Color. Jennifer Lopez was a dancer on that show during the you know musical segments they had. And Jamie Foxx was one of the cast members doing sketch comedy. And I was never really super interested in In Living Color because I was an SNL kid and in, in not not as much as SNL, but I also liked Mad TV. And In Living Color was just, I think a little too weird for me to like really love. And I appreciate it more today than I did uh, when I was younger when it was on. But Jamie Foxx was never anybody who I felt compelled to go out of my way to watch until um he had a great year in 2004 with both ray uh and collateral and that was when i i I was really like oh okay so jamie fox you know has a lot more than just doing you know this kind of comedy stuff that he's done before um and that's really when i think when his career you know took off in a a huge um completely different direction because you know he did jarhead after that and miami vice and the uh, dream girls in the kingdom and all that stuff
0: Yeah. Yeah, man, that's a good one. Uh, Yeah, I think Collateral was a big uh, like personal turning point for him uh, in my eyes as well. So uh, that's a great one. Um, How about the two Daniels, Daniel Craig and Daniel Radcliffe? I'm guessing Daniel Radcliffe is not going to apply to a lot of people because people probably grew up loving the Harry Potter movies. But I didn't have any relationship to those films as they were coming out, I never, I still have not read the books, um, and I found the movies when I finally watched them in the lead up to uh, *Deathly Hallows* Part Two to be, you know, just kind of fine. So I, I never ben. really cared very much. Ben, <laughs> no, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't I, just uh,
0: drop uh, I, these bombs in a podcast
2: like this.
1: Hating <laughs> on all childhood favorites.
0: Well, like I said, I mean, obviously your mileage may vary, especially with a uh, a franchise as beloved as Harry Potter. I just I didn't have the connection to it. And I just kind of thought that they were fine. Um, Some are better than others, of course. But uh, generally speaking, I was just sort of like, okay, yeah, I see what's going on here. This is fine. Everybody in here is fine. But then I saw um, the 2013 indie film Kill Your Darlings, uh, which Daniel Radcliffe was in. I thought he was very good in that. And then Swiss Army Man, which is like such a weird weird movie. And just the very fact that Daniel Radcliffe decided to be in this, it's very much in that Pattinson and Stewart mold that you were talking about earlier, HCA. Like it's just such a fascinating, interesting choice from a performer who has so much like cultural capital built up that the place that he decided to spend that capital being this super idiosyncratic, really, really weird um, indie film uh, made me appreciate him a lot more as a performer and, and see a different side to him and be like, okay, this is a person that I need to yeah pay more attention to. Um, you know, I, I don't think just speaking about Daniel Radcliffe that I've, I've really, uh, you know, that, that anything that I've seen since that uh, point in 2016 has lived up to the Swiss army man uh, of it all uh, for me personally. Um, but that's one. And then Daniel Craig would be the other one where, you know, he was like, playing second or third or fourth or fifth fiddle in like the Lara Croft Tomb Raider in 2001 and popping up in like Road to Perdition. And uh, he starred in Layer Cake, but I didn't really care that much about that movie. He was part of the the uh, ensemble in Munich, but again, just sort of like fine. Yeah. Okay, sure. And then Casino Royale in 2006 I launched him to an entirely different, uh, you know, stratosphere basically of his career. And I was like, oh, all right. Yes. I'm, I'm on board with him here. So, uh, I've loved several of the things that he's done, uh, you know, outside of the bond movies, Logan, lucky and knives out being the, the big two. Um, but, uh, yeah, he came to mind as well. Anybody else just sort of like, uh, as we're getting near the end of, uh, of this, uh, prompt, anybody else have any stray thoughts of people who fit these, uh, uh, parameters for them
1: you know what's interesting about this prompt is it also includes directors and i'm finding it really difficult to think of directors who i either like liked from the beginning it didn't like from the beginning or and like like now or just like have been too up and down to really apply to this prompt like i would say i would think my first thought would be adam mckay because he went from directing comedies um like broad comedies like stepbrothers and stuff and then went on to direct the big short and is now in that oscar uh winning oscar nominated awards darling director phase Mm -hmm. but i also really really disliked vice so i don't i can't say that i can apply that perfectly to adam mckay um i think that the closest to for me would be terrence malick um who I had only seen a couple of the films before. I really disliked The Tree of Life, but then I watched A Hidden Life and uh, was just bowled over and completely won over by that movie. Um, and then uh, Harmony Korine is a filmmaker that I never watched before at all because I just thought I wouldn't like his films, but I did really like The Beach Bum, also a McConaughey uh, outing, <laughs> um, but I haven't seen any of his other films since, so I can't say that, like that's been a big turning point for me, but that was maybe with one thing where I was like, okay, maybe I would like a Harmony Corinne movie. Uh, Yeah.
0: I had several like uh, instances like that where I was coming up with stuff and just being like, Oh, but then, you know, it was my first time with a filmmaker and I felt like it it was a little bit of a, you know, outside of the bounds of, of what this question was asking. And there are so many directors who have been like um, so up and down across their whole careers that I've liked some early stuff and then, you know, gone through different periods where, again, it, it's not like, you know, there's a huge period in the beginning where you were kind of meh on everything. And then this this notable turning point that made you look at their work in a different way. Um, I guess for me, like Christopher Landon is one that I can think of. Um, he directed recently the uh, Happy Death Day to You and uh, Freaky. Um, actually, he directed both of the Happy Death Day movies. Um but he made a film in 2010 called Burning Palms that I think was his feature directorial debut. And I just absolutely hated it. So I was like ready to write him off completely. And then I finally, you know, got around to watching the Happy Death Day movies and really enjoyed those and enjoyed Freaky as well. So um, that would be somebody. uh, And I guess like in terms of writing, uh, which isn't quite in this prompt, uh, Craig Mazin, we talk about all the time on this podcast is somebody who, you know, came from writing like the, uh, scary movie films or superhero movie. I think he wrote uh, Identity Thief, which I thought was just terrible. The Melissa McCarthy comedy from a few years ago. He wrote Hangover Part 2 and 3. Uh, and then he he turned everything around, in my eyes anyway, with uh, Chernobyl, which is like, you know, won a ton of Emmys and was one of the most incredible pieces of television that I've ever seen. So, I mean, like, in terms of just writing, that's like the the prototypical example in my eyes. But um, Brad, did you have any... any uh, Closing thoughts or anybody else that, that you thought might fit here?
2: No, that's all I have, really.
0: H.C., any other ones that that uh, came?
1: Well, this one isn't one that perfectly fit, fits to the prompt either, but and actually this is one I want to put to you guys. What do you guys think of Ben Affleck um, and hmm. his pivot from being an okay actor who, under the direction of a great director like David Fincher, uh, can really excel in a role um, to becoming a pretty... Good, competent director.
0: Yeah, I think as a director, I would say I've always liked, or at least found his stuff to be uh, solid. Um, you know, some things I like more than others. But as an actor, that's really interesting. Um, Brad, what do you make of of Affleck? You, did you? What's your relationship with him like? You know, going back to his early days.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, HD kind of just alluded to it. It's that you know, I I never really. Uh, disliked him in his early uh, career. You know, I think, you know, in Good Will Hunting, he's obviously playing, you know, a version of himself in many ways, you know, a Boston boy. Um, And I feel like he always kind of had this, was just kind of had this cocky swagger about him. And one of those movie stars who was always kind of just playing some kind of version of himself with very slight changes in his, his personality, you know, but um, I think since he started directing, I feel like that allowed him to maybe tap into, um, you know, some some dormant you know acting traps that he hadn't really uh, utilized before, and so and maybe that came from you know having to figure out how to, to direct other actors and work with them and finding out like what, what how they approach the material, what what makes them work, um, and bringing that to the table whenever he's in front of the camera as opposed to being behind it, and and or maybe it's just you know him being behind the camera at the same time, you know, in the movies that he's you know he stars in and directs in, uh, maybe that just makes him step up his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit more in that regard, but yeah, I, I think for the most part, I would, I would probably, I would call myself a Ben Affleck fan, but not like you know one where like, oh, I'll see that just because Ben Affleck's in it.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well, I think we've exhausted this topic, but I, I love this question because it really made me think a lot, um, and the specificity of it is really, I think, you know, putting those those guardrails on the sides of these uh, of these questions um, really helps to to sort of get my brain going. So I appreciate the, the question, William from Green Bay. If anybody else out there has any other questions or prompts like this for us to discuss on a future episode of Slash Film Daily, you can send those to peter at slashfilm.com uh, along with your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns that you might have. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe on uh, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the, pop, uh, the popular podcast apps. And uh, tell your friends about the show, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you all tomorrow.